I don't want to take the really, really, really easy, obvious shot that every other content creator has already taken this week, but whatever happened on NXT this week, they're having a better week than Nia Jax, aren't they? Let's talk about it. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take... What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's Pass Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your NXT review for February 10th, 2021, also known as the Go Home Show for NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. How are we doing? World still sucks? Everybody doing okay? If you're watching me, if you're listening to me, it means you still got a pulse. We're doing all right. Let's do some house cleaning before I spit out any more shitty jokes because I'm tired. And I've got no voice, so this should be a good one, right? You may have noticed there's no uh, nothing from FlixFix this week. There isn't anything from FlixFix this week. Uh, me and Kristen did not get together over the course of the weekend. We did not get any uh, content done. Going to do the next two episodes of WandaVision, hopefully this, in the coming week, weekend, whatever the case may be. Get something there for you guys on Monday. If you want to go back and check out some of the other stuff we've done, the Spider-Man speculation video, all the WandaVision stuff we've done so far, the kickoff to the year, it's a little out of date now, but it is what it is. Uh, thank you for all you guys who've uh, been following the Flix Fix stuff. It has been a lot of fun, and uh, it's something I'm trying to get more... Uh, because it's outside of the wrestling realm, I'm trying to get it more out there to more than just the wrestling community, I guess you could say. Uh, plan to do the preview for TakeOver tomorrow with Jake. It is what it is. It'll go out Friday like it usually does. You guys are watching this on Thursday, so tomorrow also... Also, there's TakeOver this weekend, but there's also Impact No Surrender this weekend, which has a weird amount of, like, intriguing-sounding matches. If you guys are watching Impact way more than me, which is anybody that watches any Impact, throw it down in the comment section below. Let me know if there's anything I should keep an eye out for. I'll find a stream or something like that, whatever the case may be. Now, speaking of streaming, not really. That's a terrible segue. If you want to find me... On here, on YouTube, go to YouTube, search Spaz Phoenix. If you want to find me in an audio platform, go to any audio platform out there. Uh, search Spaz Phoenix Podcast, the pretty sexy face and the gimmick cat, the whole bit. Um, find me on Twitter, at Spaz Phoenix, or at Spaz Phoenix 1. Find me on Instagram, at Spaz Phoenix. Go to f Facebook and find me the Spaz Phoenix Podcast Facebook group. I can speak, I swear. Do me a favor, because YouTube continues to remind me, throw some comments down in the box below, or a like, or a share, or something, so that they know you guys are at the they're interacting with me. I know I have a small but loyal fan base, so be my small but loyal fan base. <laughs> oh, it's tired. It's tired in here. Starting the show off February 10th, NXT going home to NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. It's a cold open. I like a cold open. Um, Raw, SmackDown, and uh, a lot of shows get accused of just doing the talk segment to start the show doing a lot of packages to start the show, doing anything other than a match to start the show. So when you start the ma start the show rather cold with uh, MSK versus Legato del Fantasma, it's it's not a bad way to start the show, is it? It's uh, MSK, Legato del Fantasma, with no Santos Escobar, and he never comes out in this whole match, so it is just these two teams doing what these two teams do. It's a lot of fun. I still love MSK's entrance. I like the energy. It's pretty good. Um, I laugh at the people that 
are like, oh, well, they're just, you know, WWE and NXT's version of TH2. How how featured is TH2 on Impact? Or not on Impact, on uh, Dynamite? I mean, they're all the same company now, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, that, that's a reach and a stretch. It's fine. Um, kind of bummed, uh, kind of, kind of happy in a way, but also kind of bummed that their other buddy, Trey Miguel, uh, re-signed with Impact and didn't come over to NXT with them because that would have been fun. And I like Trey Miguel. Trey Miguel was the first or second Destiny Wrestling Next Generation champion. So check that off your Spaz Phoenix bucket list. It's fine. And let's get into the match. Leon Wildstar, the match is a test of strength. There's a takedown by Wild. Wild works on the arm with an arm drag takeover. Rolling leg lock by Wild and a counter arm bar by Lee. Pele by Lee. A Bronco Buster by Cutter, which is nice. Follows, follows it up with a front face lock. Arm drag by Cutter. Collar and elbow tie. Sorry. Collar and elbow tie with Mendoza. I can speak. I swear. Side headlock by Mendoza, double team kicks by MSK, double stomp by Cutter, corner team, corner double team by Phantasma, double team suplex by Phantasma, back elbows and stomps by Cutter, super kick by Cutter, boot by Mendoza, and a drop kick by Wild that takes everybody out of the ring as we go to commercial break, and as the cliche says, NXT rolls on. Uh, Insiguri by Cutter, series of strikes by at least super kick, a shove moonsault off, I, I don't know what it's called, and if they've said what it's called... Uh, I've missed it, or uh, or it's it's flown over my head or something. That uh, that standing moonsault into the into the shove that they do, um, but they do the the standing sort of shove moonsault off the apron onto both guys on the floor, and I lost my place, which is awesome. Suicide dive by Leah, missile dropkick by Mendoza, poison rana by Wild, which looked really sick. Uh, double stomp and a 450 splash by uh, by Wild. Super kick by Lee, blockbuster spinebuster combination to get the pre. Pretty predictable, I will say, win for MSK. MSK will go on to the pay-per-view to face either Grizzled Young Veterans or Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, which we will find out later tonight. Now, this is really good when you consider that the current tag team champions are heels, and they're part of a nice heel stable. And, I mean, if MSK were to win the Dusty Cup, it would reinforce even more that I wish Trey Miguel had come over to NXT. Not only because that's one more great, awesome talent to add to the to the already stacked roster that they've got, but I mean, you know, uh, Lorkin and Birch. I was gonna say Lorch because that's how tired I am. Lorkin and Birch are part of a three-person unit at the moment, along with Pete Dunne. Now Pete Dunne has bigger things on his plate right now, but. Um, that, if, if nothing else, that would be a wicked three-on-three -three match, wouldn't it, at some point? We see a video package for this Sunday's women's triple threat match, a video package focusing on Mercedes Martinez, and say it with me, WWE is great at video packages. Moving on, we see Tian Sha, Xia Lee, and Boa down to the ring. She's taking on Cora Jade. Now, Cora Jade sort of made her debut in NXT not on NXT, which is a bit of a bummer. She debuted as the partner of Gigi Dolan, which is... can't think of her name now. Priscilla Kelly's new name, and they make a pretty decent team. They fought... Uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon in the first round, and that was one of those matches that I talked about on here that ended up being NXT on 205 Live. Now, there's a couple of things wrong with that. Uh, two new talents, and I mean, the, the Stark chick debuted on NXT on 205 Live as well, so that's kind of a bummer. It's, it's like, dark, except, you know, never mind. I was going to make a joke there, going to take the high road. 
you debuted three new talents on 205 Live instead of on NXT, and then you debuted the team of Ember Moon and Shotzi on 205, when you consider how much Ember and Shotzi seem to be throwing into this gimmick, um, from everything from the music to the, the matching gear to the mixed gear to the entrance, the whole bit, um, kind of a bummer, kind of a bummer move to, to debut that on 205 Live, but I'm getting off the point, alright, aren't I? Cora Jade is there tonight just to be another body in the ring for Xia Li as she gets killed, but before the match even starts, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter, who have a long-standing, like, hey, what the fuck is your problem relationship with Xia Li as she went off and got the crap beat out of her by Tian Sha and Boa and all that kind of thing, and basically they're trying to take the higher ground, you know, this isn't you, what are you doing, what's happened to you, what's she done to you, the whole thing basically basically gets ignored by Xia Li, and she kills Jade with a spin kick, lol. Uh, Post-match assault, uh, as you would imagine, from the newly heel-turned Xia Li. Caden tries to tell off Tian Sha, because Katanzaro's in the ring, or sorry, on the ring apron, trying to get Xia Li to, like, not be a psychopath, pretty much. Caden tries to tell off Tian Sha, who never leaves the chair and doesn't even really change their position the whole time they're being told off. Xia Li, as, as this new minion, so to speak, just takes her and tosses her off the ramp. And then Sha finally does get up and chokes Boa, and Xia Li tries to get her to not choke Boa, and to get her to not choke Boa, she's got to go kick the crap out of Casey Catanzaro, so she does that as well, which is nice. Uh, I love it. I love the Tian Sha thing. I love the animated thing they did last week. If they're gonna go full stereotype, full, like, this is WWE's version of Mortal Kombat, just go all the way in on it. Like, I, I don't even know. I don't know what to say. I had the thought, because they're clearly not going to debut... Boa, because Boa hasn't wrestled. Like, didn't he? Didn't he come in like when he first joined the Performance Center? And NXT basically went, "Look, we signed a Chinese guy," and then he had a match, and then he disappeared. And he hasn't had a match since he's joined this new like little Chinese mafia thing they got going on here. So if he's not going to wrestle, and Tian Cha is not going to wrestle, that means you've got a group of three people, and only one of them fights, and that's really. It's really weird for storytelling, and it's really weird for them to start problems with a tag team if they're not going to have a tag team match. So I have a feeling, while Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter have been taken out of the Dusty Classic, which is a bit of a bummer, I think they're going to spin them off into a tag team story with Xia Li and Tian Sha, which is not the worst thing in the world. I, I don't mind the goofy stuff, I don't mind the weird stuff. If Boa is gonna sit there like a fucking bouncer while these two women go in there and destroy people, I mean, there's harder ways to make a paycheck, is there not? Going backstage with William Regal, he sends out his congratulations to MSK, he sends out his uh, best wishes to the rest of the remaining contenders for the Dusty Classic and talks about how the Dusty Classic is gonna culminate on Sunday, rider, rider, off. And then uh, he steps away from the interview, he sees Scarlett in his office, and he basically, she basically says, it's a good thing you're talking to me instead of him, it wouldn't go well for you if you were talking to him, you're going to make the match Cross versus Escobar for next week. Now immediately, I was bummed because I thought that match was going to be on the pay-per-view, and also excited that they're not going to drag it out for another couple of weeks with uh, stalling. 
pretty much. Uh, I have my thoughts on this match. I've got a lot of thoughts on this match, and I am going to try and stick that conversation in somewhere tomorrow when Jake and I do the preview for TakeOver, because as you guys know, usually when we start a preview for a TakeOver, we start off the conversation with what's not happening at TakeOver, and I could probably go 20 minutes on what I think about this match and what it could mean for NXT and the Cruiserweight division and Karrion Cross himself later on down the line, so there's a little teaser for you. Tune into the pay-per-view preview to hear about what I think about this match that's not happening on the pay-per-view that we're previewing. There we go. Out comes the way, and we saw it on social media earlier today. Uh, Austin Theory coming out on uh, on social media and saying that he's really pissed off at Kushida. Johnny Gargano's injured. Johnny Gargano's his mentor. He's going to show Kushida the way tonight. So the way come out with the injured Gargano, Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell carrying Gargano into the ring with an arm cast on and in a wheelchair. Just, Johnny Gargano's so fucking good, isn't he? Um, basically, they give him a mic. He says his injuries are all due to Kushida's attack last week, which is fair enough. He's got a broken arm. He's got a broken arm, which means he can't walk, which is good. And they hit the obvious joke that I put out midday today, which is he's got a broken arm. And, he, and it's so broken that he's in a wheelchair. Johnny Gargano hates wheels. I, It's just good. I don't even care. I, I don't care who out there thinks it's good or who thinks it's bad or who thinks it's funny. It's fucking good. The crowd starts chanting Johnny Wheelchair, which is great. Says the match with Kushida on Sunday is cancelled. He's going to be holding on to his North American Championship, obviously. Regal comes out, and just these two bouncing off each other is fantastic. You were cleared yesterday. You know you were cleared yesterday. Johnny Gargano says, yeah, by your quack doctors. I went to my own doctor, and the proof is in the x-ray. And he puts the x-ray on the screen, and it's the wrong arm. And it's apparently completely fake. And <coughs> basically... Regal gives him two options. He says, either you can let Theory be your surrogate and his match with Kushida tonight can be for your North American Championship or you can surrender it right now or you can have your match on Sunday. And he immediately says no, which kind of undercuts his protege there. And uh, Regal says, well, either way, I'm going to have to ask Kushida what he thinks. And the entire time they've been talking, Kushida's been sneaking up behind them. Theory does the double take, which is great. Kushida decks both of them. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. And Johnny Gargano goes to grab his title with the injured arm, which is absolutely fantastic. And all this between Kushida and Theory and Gargano and Regal is to lead to Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell taking on Ember Moon and my girl Shotzi Blackheart. So, let's talk about the last semi-final match for the Women's Dusty Cup. Side headlock by Moon and a sent, uh, senton-style elbow by Shotzi. Cravat by Shotzi, knee strikes, a corner spear by Ember, a Samoan drop into the turnbuckle by Indy, followed by a sidewalk slam. Body shots by Larea, takedown by the hair, and then a key lock. Knee lifts by Larea, snapmare, a mud hole stomp by Indy. Back elbow by Indy, arm and shoulder stunner by Larea, which was really cool. Back elbows by Larea, jawbreaker by Shotzi, a series of kicks and an insecurity by Ember Moon. Neckbreaker, codebreaker, super kick combination by Ember Moon and Shotzi. Shotzi Blackheart was really nice, basically ping-ponged Candice LeRae around the ring between the two of them. But then, not to be outdone, Indy Hartwell helps LeRae up to the top turnbuckle and she goes to the outside, head scissors Ember Moon off the apron onto Shotzi Blackheart on the floor into the commentator's desk. As we go to commercial break, and as we say, NXT rolls on. 
don't know how NXT rolls on, or SmackDown rolls on, or Raw rolls on, or Dynamite rolls on, or Impact rolls on, ever became a bad thing. Because if it's not rolling on, then it means the show's over. And if the show's over, and the match is still going on, that's, that's pretty shit. That's, that's WCW Halloween Havoc Goldberg DDP stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I hear a lot of people make fun of that pay-per-view, so... It's, it's an easy reference to pull. Ember tosses out India as we come back from the commercial break. Press slam and punches by Shotzi. A jawbreaker by Shotzi and a senton against the ropes. I do like the way that Shotzi Blackheart throws herself around the ring. The way she does that... that um, it's almost like a cannonball, but it is a uh, sideways senton into the ropes. And it's not nearly as controlled as people that do the cannonballs into the turnbuckle because there's a lot more give. You're in the ropes. The person's body may go one way or the other. And every time I see something like that, it reminds me of the interview that I've told you guys about a lot. And I'm still going to uh, encourage anybody that hasn't listened to it to go and listen to it. Listen to Shotzi Blackheart's interview on the Lillian Garcia podcast and how one of her goals, and she said it multiple times, is to bring hardcore wrestling to the NXT women's division. And I think not in the cases not in the case that they're gonna do a big TLC match next week or anything like that, but I think in some of the reckless stuff that she does and the stuff that she wrongly gets criticized for, I think she's she's gone some way to to get that. Um Modified GTS by Moon, Face uh yeah, Face Buster by Shotzi, Moonsault by LeRae, Moonsault kicks Indy into LeRae, which is, I, I don't know why I wrote that like that, my writing is shit, it's fine. Uh, super kick by LeRae, the Wicked Stepsister, and an elbow to the back, to the mid-spine by Indy, and a near fall, but it's broken up, obviously, by, uh, by Ember Moon. Corner knee shot, second rope, DD, second rope draping DDT by Shotzi, eclipsed by LeRae, sent on by Shotzi onto both women. This was a cool spot, too. Eclipse was hit on LeRae by Ember Moon, Indy Hartwell immediately goes and, and covers up her mentor, so they both take the brunt of the senton by Shotzi, and Shotzi and Moon get the win. They have a stare down with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, and there is your final for the Women's Dusty Classic. And William Regal comes out to confirm what we've all been pretty much assuming all along, and that is that the winner of the Women's Dusty Classic is going to get a shot somewhere down the road. WrestleMania! I'm just saying! Uh, somewhere down the road at the Women's Tag Team Championships. Now, you guys know where my heart lies, but whichever one of these teams wins has to win the belts. Because it's the first, like, we laugh at WWE because they do first time ever a whole lot. NXT isn't too shabby at their first time ever stuff, and this is the first ever Women's Dusty Classic. It's the first ever time that a women's tag team has had a decent shot, and I will say a decent shot because last time there was a match, it was against Bailey and Trasha Skanks, and you know they weren't going to drop the belts at the time to anybody in NXT. So it's the first time that anybody from NXT has had a decent shot at those tag team titles. They're going to win. And more to the point, I think they're going to bring those titles to NXT like I've been saying for a while, like you've heard me and Jake say in previews and whatever, the stacked women's division in NXT could use a second title. And they will save it. I will say this again. They will save those women's tag team titles the same way they saved the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. And if they turn them over, put them on a black strap like we've talked about before, and call them the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships, that won't hurt my feelings either, will it? Now... 
I feel bad for Shayna Baszler in this mix because Shayna Baszler shouldn't be getting shit on like I'm about to to shit on uh, the current champions. But Nia Jax, who who in in all reality two days ago on Raw broke her ass. That's a thing that happened. Either they're still going to have the titles, or the even trashier team of Naomi and Lana are going to have those titles. Either way, let's just say that my girl Shotzi and Ember Moon win the tag team, or win the Dusty Tag Team Cup. They go on to, oh, say, WrestleMania and take those belts off of those two makeshift teams. That's really, really good. I want to see. I want to see Ember and Shotzi riding into the CWC on Shotzi's tank with those WWE titles bringing them back to NXT. I think that's going to be really, really good. In the back, Escobar talks some shit about his match next week with Cross. He sort of scolds his boys for, for losing their match earlier, but not really. He's like, you want to make it up to me? Make sure Cross doesn't make it to our match next week and sends them on their way. And, yeah, only good things can happen from that, right? Uh, we see a video package on Balor versus Dunn, which is good. Say it with me once again. WWE is great at video packages. Moving on. Kushida versus Theory is kind of a bummer because we came out of the video package with Balor and Dunn and Kushida versus Theory was already in progress. I, I don't know. Both men draw, both men brawl to start off the uh, start off the part of the match that I saw. I knew as well say to start off the match, but I just said that it was already in progress. So to start off the portion of the match that I actually saw, both men brawl for a little bit. Dropkick by Theory and a snake eyes uh, corner spear by Theory, boot by Kushida and some right hands, a hip toss by Kushida, a dropkick, an arm bar drive. I do love. I mean, I, I like Kushida in general, but I do really love that that arm bar driver that he does. Uh, I still don't know what else it's called, so I'm still going to call it the armbar driver. It is what it is. Kashida stomps on the shoulder blades, which was really... He did the... Where you grab both arms, pull them back, uh, almost like you're going to do a, a bow and arrow or a surfboard stretch. But instead of that, he just holds the arms and stomps on the shoulder blades, between the shoulder blades, on the spine. And it just, it's just different enough to, be, to make it uncomfortable. We get used to seeing things. In we get used to seeing somebody twisted a certain way. We got used to what the crippler crossface looked like, even though it would kill. We got used to what the sharpshooter looked like, even though it kills. We got used to the the yes lock and the single leg crab and the figure four became the figure eight and all that sort of thing. Now, all these things are painful, but because they're so familiar, we as people watching the wrestling get used to them. When you see something like that that I've never quite seen done that way, I'm sure it's done for a mil they've done they've done it a million times in five star matches in the Tokyo Dome, brother. But I I didn't see it, so it's kind of cool to me. Um, from there, he does the double armbar spot. It's uh, it's sort of the beginning of the Rings of Saturn, but instead of locking in the full Rings of Saturn, he just sits on the armbar, which again is just like we're working on we're working on the guy's shoulders. We don't want him to have arms anymore. Kitchen sink by Kushida, arm breaker over the shoulder by Kushida, forearm off the apron by Theory sends us into commercial break and NXT rolls on. Bringing it back. It's fine. Armbar by Theory. Both men trade some knee shots. Fall away slam by Theory. Some mounted punches. Some chops. Atomic drop. Back elbow. Mic check into the ring corner by Kushida. Tackle on the outside by... Tackle to the outside by Theory. Arm 
I cannot read my writing to save my goddamn life. Armbar on the apron gets broken up with a free cheap shot by Gargano, which ends the match in a DQ. But more importantly, there's a post-match two-on-one beatdown. Gargano, in theory, beating the shit out of Kushida. And then, because we can't have nice things, Theory gets pulled under the ring. Gargano reaches under the ring to pull him back out. And it's Loomis! Yay! And then they do a side-by-side uh, -side where the hoverboard lock is locked on Gargano and Loomis has the choke thing. And I really don't care about Dexter Loomis. I know, I know the people that listen to me, right? I know there's people that aren't into, like, Shotzi and her tank. I know that there are people out there that are not into the Tian Shaw stuff because it's a little bit Mortal Kombat. I know there's people looking at the main roster that aren't as into you know, the Alexa Bliss and Fiend thing. But please, and I'm asking this objectively, if anybody out there is into Dexter Loomis being involved in anything important, please let me know. Because I want to be unbiased, but I'm not. And then we get a whole bunch of random bits of information thrown in our face. Tony Storm video package, similar to the to, to the Mercedes Martinez package leading up to the Triple Threat match on Sunday that's going to be really good that I think a lot of people are looking past, and it's fine. Uh, random promo for Imperium. Three out of four of them are already here. I'm assuming that means Walter's going to show up at some point. We go to the back where Karrion Cross has killed Wild and Mendoza, predict predictably enough, but they're comically dead on the ground. Cuts a promo. Uh, basically, the point of the whole promo is if you want something done right, you should have done it yourself, like I just did. TikTok time is ticking away. Right, right, right. And then, and then, big fancy sports car pulls up in the most dangerous place in wrestling, the NXT parking lot. But nothing happens this time around. And it's Cameron Grimes. It's Cameron Grimes, nice clothes, nice jacket, even though he's not wearing a shirt, it's fine. He's got glasses on, which is fine. He pays some people, he pulls a big wad of money out, he pays some people to park his car, because he says he hasn't gotten used to the car and he doesn't know how to park it. He pays somebody to let him into the CWC, which doesn't make sense, because he works there. He starts throwing his money around the ring, and he just, he rambles on and on and on, like, like Cameron Grimes usually does. And the story is that he was going to come back to NXT as soon as he could and he was going to put his feet through Thatcher's chest for injuring him but instead he went home and he found out how cool video games are and then he went to GameStop and he bet on GameStop and he got rich <laughs> so Cameron Grimes is a millionaire now because he bet on GameStop and that's the story. Nobody interrupted him. He just sort of sat in the ring, Scrooge McDuckin with all his money, making the bills fly. And I, I got nothing. I, I, I can't hate it. Because it's so ridiculous. And it's so... I, I applaud WWE for once for doing something that's actually current. I'm not a stock person, I'm also not a gamer, so I'm twice removed from the GameStop thing, but it's a thing. Um, it's guaranteed to be one of those things that almost everybody will have some kind of opinion on, but also, I went and bet on GameStop! <laughs>
There is a parallel universe where Cameron Grimes and AJ Styles are a tag team, and it's monstrously good or awesomely monstrous or something. But I, I got nothing. Grimes spent his time doing recovery and playing video games and betting on GameStop, and now he's rich. I was worried going into tonight that Cameron Grimes, who I can't stand most of the time, was going to come and insert himself into one of the matches that I'm looking forward to on Sunday, because there is a lot that I'm looking forward to on Sunday, and that's not happening. It, he's just... He's doing the Beverly Hillbillies thing, isn't he? And that's not a new reference, but they got there a new way. I kind of love it. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Gargano loses it in the back, uh, hyping up his match with Kushida, totally slipping out of goofy Gargano mode and being like, look, there's a reason they call me Johnny Takeover. You're stepping into my world now. Like, it's, it's that time to be real thing. I always use the comparison, and people will hate this because a lot of people wrongfully hate Triple H. Uh, but I gave Triple H the credit in the later portion of his active career that he was the guy that could come out with Shawn Michaels and the rest of the guys and throw around glow sticks and be the most juvenile um, the most juvenile versions of themselves that they possibly could and still be the guy that comes out at the end of the night and smashes your skull in with a sledgehammer. And both of those versions in the same night would be equally believable. Now... I'm not saying that Gargano's nearly on that level of, of character, but it is nice to see him flip a switch and be like, I'm still Johnny Takeover. You're still coming to Takeover to face Johnny Takeover, and by the way, you're not taking my belt, and by the way, go fuck yourself. Except not, because it's a PG product. Anyways, Chompa and Thatcher versus the Grizzled Young Veterans is our main event of the evening. We get the usual great Gibson promo, but it gets cut off by Thatcher and Chompa, and they brawl around the ring. All four men brawl around the ring before the match even starts. There's a double-team mud hole stomp against the railing by Champa and Thatcher before they finally get back in the ring. Thatcher and Gibson start the match. Thatcher beats on the midsection. Knee, uh, sorry, knee breaker by Champa. Knee shots by Thatcher. Corner uppercut by Thatcher. And my writing is terrible. And it's one of those nights. It's fine. Uh, Mudhole by Drake in a clothesline. More uppercuts by Thatcher. Drake uh, tosses tosses Champa into the steps. There's a corner double team by the Grizzled Young Veterans, and then a double team power bomb on Champa on the apron. He goes crazy selling it. Commentary goes crazy reminding us about all of his neck injuries like we need reminding. And he's out when we come back from the commercial break for a little bit anyway. Drake and Thatcher, they trade some shots in the middle of the ring. Side, uh, side slam by Gibson. Grounded headlock by Gibson and some uppercuts and some more double teaming. Thatcher knocks Drake out of midair when he goes for the world famous top rope something. Finally, Ciampa gets back in with a series of lariats. Air Raid crash on Drake, or sorry, Air Raid crashes Drake onto Gibson. Chops by Ciampa. They trade some right hands with Gibson. Uh, double ep. I can speak, I swear. Double throat shot by Gibson. I th it says double thought in my notes. Double thought by Gibson. It should be a double throat shot, but it's very tired in here. Uh, deadlift vertical suplex. Doomsday device by Gr Doomsday device by Grizzled Young Veterans. 
tossing it, tossing Thatcher out of the ring. There's another suicide dive by Drake, and then Drake keeps Thatcher out of the ring after they hit the ticket to Mayhem. The pinfall is had on Champa, on your multiple-time former NXT champion for the Grizzled Young Veterans to get the win. I really like this because I really thought they were going to go the route of a lot of other Dusty Classics where the oddball team goes all the way. And that's been fine, by the way. Ricochet and Black is a good example. Um, obviously, the first one was Balor and Joe. Um, you know, the the, hi the not, not the Hype Bros. That's a different team entirely. The um, the Bruiserweight, the Broserweights um, were, were a fun team for a while. But the fact that we've gotten to the end and it's two actual tag teams and two relatively new tag teams in a different way... Um, Grizzled Young Veterans are a new team to this version of NXT because they've always been sort of seen as the guests, and I think they're just here now. MSK being new to NXT, WWE in general, it's a nice story. Now, you can kind of see where it's going to go when you look at who the champions are right now, but it is what it is. They have a stare down with MSK... Um, to sort of end out the night, to keep end it on a dramatic note and whatever, and then we throw down to the commentators who pop out from behind commentary to give us a rundown of the actual card, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But let's let's see what we've done here. We've got super rich guy Beverly Hillbilly Cameron Grimes now. That's something. We got Santos Escobar versus Karrion Cross coming up next week on NXT. Like I say, when we get into the uh, preview with Jake tomorrow, I'm going to get into more detail on uh, on what I think about that because I think there's a lot that could come out of that that I don't think a lot of people are acknowledging. It's fine. It's only my opinion at the end of the day, and you can agree with me or you can be wrong. It's fine. Maybe Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter versus Ia Lee and Tian Sha. Could be fun, could be interesting, but, 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 NXT, TakeOver, Vengeance Day, just because I know people love the name so much, they love the name, I'm going to find all the hate, I'm going to find all the little Sidgwicks out there that hate this, or pretend to hate it, or think they have to hate it, or performatively hate it, and I'm going to tattoo the big red V on their foreheads in their sleep, because it's going to be good. You're going to get to it on the night and be like, well, yeah, it's good wrestling, but what else is it? I'm like, kind of tune into a wrestling show to watch good wrestling. Anyways, got Gargano versus Kushida as Gargano makes his miraculous recovery from injury. I'm an asshole. It's fine. Um, Io Shirai versus Tony Storm versus Mercedes Martinez, which isn't getting nearly the attention it deserves from fans or from the brand, really, to be fair. Um, Shotzi and Ember versus Dakota and Raquel as the finals of the Women's Dusty Classic. They're going to go on and face a WWE Tag Team, Women's Tag Team Champions later on down the line. MSK versus Grizzled Young Veterans for the uh, for the final of the Men's Tournament, and they're going to go face the NXT Tag Team Champions at a later determined point, whatever. And then you got Dunn versus Balor, and you've got the added caveat that Edge is probably going to be there keeping an eye on Dunn versus Balor. And yes, I'm keeping alive my idea that Edge should take on the winner of that match because I'm ridiculous. I will, I will say, and uh, probably another thing we'll touch on tomorrow as well, everybody thinks that Edge is going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And while that would be a lot of fun, 
And while that's like great character study stuff, uh, I'm pretty sure Roman Reigns is a good set of hands to put him in. I mean, he's been back for a year now and he proved himself in the Rumble, but you still don't want the guy to re-injure himself. So he's a good set of hands. The character work will be great. On a surface level, you can do that cliche, oh my God, it's the spear versus the spear thing. The last person WWE needs edge to face at WrestleMania is Roman Reigns, and I'll tell you why. It's not just because I don't. It's not just because I want him to come to, to NXT. Um, the pool of potential challengers for Roman Reigns uh, on SmackDown for that title is vast. You could do Daniel Bryan. You could do another round of Kevin Owens. I know a lot of people would hate it, but the, the chemistry they have is great. Um, you could do something with the family story that we haven't seen before. There could be a turn, a twist, whatever the case may be. Uh, you could take the two guys you're pushing right now in uh, Cesaro or Shinsuke. I know everybody says Cesaro's never going to get a push. Shinsuke, they've already pushed once. So there's a deep pool of potential challenge. There's not a whole lot of challenge, whole lot of believable challengers out there for Drew McIntyre, other than Randy Orton, which is going to make everybody want to eat a gun. And... On the NXT side of things, even even if you don't want to see that match, him choosing that match puts NXT in the WrestleMania story. And it's important. And I'm saying this as an advocate for NXT, obviously. Um, but Char the, the Charlotte thing last year, as much as nobody liked it and nobody wants to see the value in it and whatever, it brought NXT presence to WrestleMania, which it wouldn't have had otherwise because of the two-day WrestleMania, because COVID hit us in the ass and whatever, and TakeOver didn't happen. There was no NXT presence that weekend except for the NXT Women's Championship match. Now, they're now starting to separate the NXT pay-per-views from big WWE pay-per-view weekends anyway, and they're doing the two-night the two, the two night WrestleMania again this year. So you're not going to have any NXT presence on this card either, which is why I say whoever wins the Women's Dusty Cup should save that title shot for WrestleMania. Just give a little bit of NXT presence in the WrestleMania show, seeing as there isn't going to be an NXT show the night before. Now, that is another reason why you do uh, edge-picking Balor, or edge-picking Dunn, or edge-picking Karrion Cross if it's Karrion Cross by that point. Because it is a two-week, or sorry, a two-night WrestleMania, and you do need two main events, and some of the challengers on Raw for Drew are not that appetizing, and some of the challengers for Roman, while I think they may be good, will not be something that WWE sees as marquee, but having Edge, the comeback guy, the Rumble winner, pick the NXT Championship, which is something that's never happened on, on a WrestleMania stage. It happened at Survivor Series. I was there. It was fine. Um, was I there? No, I wasn't. Anyways, but it is the first time ever that WWE loves to do, and I'm sorry, you need two different main events, and I really, really, with every scraping fiber of my being, do not want and will not acknowledge Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair as a main event of WrestleMania. Hashtag not my main event. So now that everybody hates me, subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.